We've been talking about the New Testament church um, and uh, the impact that the New Testament church should have on us, both as a congregation and individuals. And the first week that we met together, we talked about the basic foundations of the first century church, what they did together, what gave them the, the, the um, gumption to do what they did, how Christ told them that, that they needed to go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. And then we looked at the measure of the first century church and how they were like Christ. That was their measure. And then last week we talked about the power of the first century church, <clears throat> doing the work of the Holy Spirit, not just as a group, but as an individual, as an everyday uh, part of our lives. So today, I want to talk about the authority of the first century church. And our base camp this morning will be in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. And if you could please open to there, that's where we're going to be for most of the time. We're going to take a couple detours, but 1 Timothy chapter 3 <clears throat> is going to be where we're going to start from as we look at the authority of the first century church. First, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3, if I said first. 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, who he was encouraging as a young pastor of a church. And um, Timothy was facing a lot of what we're facing today as a world. People are trying every vain thing they can do to gain happiness in our world. You might not know this, but the average person, the average person spends $9 a day on entertainment. Well, that's not very much, $9 a day. Uh, that's about $3,300 a year on entertainment. Family of five, that would be $16,000 a year. I'm not sure if that, that, that figure includes cell phones or internet. I'm pretty sure it doesn't because we consider that an integral part of information now. It's not entertainment. Uh, it's that, that uh, information uh, gathering um, that we have at our fingertips on a daily basis. Uh, the happiness of what these people are chasing as referred to in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 7, as 11, verse 7, as the pleasure of sin for a season. Um, Paul describes him better in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 7, where he says, ever learning and never able to, become, to come to the knowledge of the truth. Sounds like us today, doesn't it? We, we, all that information that we have, everything right there, all we need, all you got to do is Google it. We have all the information but never knowing the truth. We don't know the truth. There's no true fulfillment outside of knowing Christ, outside of living a life of obedience to him. So I want to look at some verses in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Um, look at verse uh, seven, 13. We'll start at verse 13. 2 Timothy 3.13 says this, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Sounds like today. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, 
which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all scripture is given by, the in, by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Look closely again at verse 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. The word holy scriptures is in used here in reference to the Bible. When we hold the Bible in our hands, we are holding the holy scriptures. It's holy. It's from God. It's not just a book. It's the holy scriptures. It's not just writings. It's just not religious writings. This is the holy scriptures. The holy writing of God. Before we get too deep into discussing scripture as being the authority of the New Testament church. I want to take a minute to share with you some more amazing things that I discovered about Scripture, about the Bible in my study. These are a couple things that don't seem to fit in any place else, but I want to make sure you understood these. What Scripture says about itself being the Holy Scriptures. First of all, <laughs> Psalm chapter 119, verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Before the Bible was even written by men, before the first pen was put down, the Bible was settled in heaven forever. It was finalized in heaven. That's amazing to me. Same book and chapter, Psalm 119, 152 says, Considering thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. We are able to hold in our hands, in our hands, and hide in our hearts the only eternal thing that the human eye will ever behold. Think about that. There is nothing else. You know that precious diamond your husband gave you? It's going to fade away. It's going to go. Well, that new car you just bought, it's going to be a rust bucket in about 10 years in Michigan. Well, five years in Michigan. <laughs> doesn't take that long. There's nothing that you can put your hands on that will last eternally. God's word will. It lasts forever. But let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want to look through the whole thing here. One by one, let's look at the first verse. This know also that in the last days, perilous times will come. Ooh, I see a flag there. Perilous times in the last days? You see the equality? Are we in perilous times today? Absolutely. Perilous He's telling the church, Paul is telling Timothy, in the last days, perilous times will come. And then Paul gives a list. He gives a list to characterize the perilous times. Here's the list. For men shall be lovers of them own selves. Mm. All these, you can just check, check, check. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. You know how many times people... Even kids, and they say, oh, my God. Oh, I get chills up now my back. Disobedient to parents. Good thing that doesn't happen today. Well, you can't disobey if you don't have any leadership, right? <laughs> Unthankful. Unholy. The list goes on. Without natural affection. Truce breakers. 
false accusers, incontinent. That means falling apart. That characterizes our lives. Fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. What can we do then? Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. You know what that's talking about? False religion. Having a form of godliness. Oh, we're we're a church. How? You don't preach the gospel. You don't sing godly songs. You don't worship God. You put on performances. It's a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. For this sort are they that which creep into the houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, various lusts, verse 7, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. This characterizes perilous times. What's left to do? Look down at verse 14. Here's what Paul tells Timothy. These things are going on, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Continue, he says, continue in the things you've been assured of in the scriptures. I remember my first Bible. I remember my second Bible. My first Bible was one of those hardcover blue ones with all the pictures through it. Um, I think every child that went to church had one of those Bibles had the picture of of Jesus as the shepherd on the front. And I found it was very difficult to do sword drills with it because it was a hardcover book and you can't really. So I got my second Bible, my red Bible, and it it was red and it was fast. And I could find almost anything as fast as I wanted to. I remember when that Bible started to fall apart. I was about eight years old and I'd had that Bible since I was like four. And it started, the pages started to fall out of it. I was crushed. I remember that first Bible. Everything we do needs to be judged through Scripture. Um, there's a place that I fish in Michigan with my boat. And it's on Saginaw Bay. And I could tell you where it is specifically, then I'd have to kill you. Because it's a place where every time you put your line in the water, every time, every time you catch a fish, I've caught fish dropping down a bear hook. Boom, catch fish. That's, that's how good this spot is. But it's hard to find on this huge piece of Lake Huron. And there's a little inlet. And it's only about as wide as this room. And it goes way up in the, in the land. And if you go all the way up, it's actually a warm water discharge for a factory. And they're shooting warm water out. So all the fish come up and congregate in that warm water. So the water's flowing, and you have to be in a very specific spot to catch fish. The only way to get to that spot is to pull all the way up as far as you can go. There's actually a fence across this river, so you can't go any further. It's fenced in. They got no trespassing signs. But what you've got to do is you've got to go right up, third rung from the left, and you've got to tie your anchor rope to that spot. And then you drift back exactly four knots, And that's the spot, okay? And the fish have a hole there, and they congregate there. Now, if for any reason 
my rope comes detached from that fence, I'm off the spot and I can't catch fish. It's a very specific spot. It's a very specific anchor point. God's word is an anchor for our soul. It's a very specific spot. It's very stable. It's very eternal. And it's not going anywhere. And the minute we detach from this, we're drifting. God's word is an anchor for our soul. It's God's fixed point. In a world that's constantly changing, this is the one thing that never changes. It's eternal. Can I tell you this? It's impossible to be spiritual without being scriptural. You got it? It's impossible to be spiritual without being scriptural. We need to determine to live by the clear teaching of the Bible. So let's go really quickly through what I discovered about the Bible this week when I was looking at the authority of the first century church. First of all, I want to look at the inspiration of the Bible, the inspiration of all Scripture. And in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. When attempting to speak the truth, it's always best to use very clear language. The language the Bible uses about itself. Scriptural, scripture is powerful. It's authoritative. It's clear. It's convicting. It's complete. And it's inspired by God. The inspiration of Scripture is not referring to the writers of the scripture, but the writings. They were not inspired. The men were not inspired. Inspiration, inspiration is not, wait, I have an idea. That's not inspiration. That's how we determine inspiration today in our language. Inspiration was something much, much more. Inspiration is God-breathed. Uh, God reveals his word to man. It's God-breathed. Uh, there are those who tell us that uh, the thoughts of man were inspired, uh, leaving the writers of Scripture some sort of free uh, grace to choose their own words. But the Bible is not inspired in spots. Just the opposite is actually true. Inspired means that God gave the writers the very words, the specific words to write. He, he didn't always reveal the thoughts behind those words. It wasn't their thoughts. It was God's specific words. Look here at 1 Peter chapter 1. Look, look at what it says. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. Who did? The, pro the people that wrote the words. They're having to search what they wrote. Who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that should follow. Here, the scripture is saying very clearly that the prophets who wrote of Christ actually had to study it themselves, what they had written. Daniel's, in Daniel chapter 12, the same thing. Look at these verses. And I heard, but I understood not. Then it said, I, oh my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? What, they, what do these words mean? 
And he said, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Daniel's writing words that he himself didn't even understand. That's because it was inspired by God. God said, write these words. And he wasn't inspired. The words were inspired. The spade of the archaeologist has never unearthed anything that has disproved the inspiration of God. The Bible is a true record because it's God-breathed and it cannot lie. The devil lies. The devil lies. The world lies. Remember the devil said to Eve, oh, the day you eat this, you won't die. Lie. Take, and taking verses out of context, has caused many grave errors. If one does that, if you take scripture out of context, you can prove almost anything you want, and people do. Oh, let's see. Um, uh, Judas hanged himself. Oh, I guess the Holy Spirit told me to go do the same thing. Yeah. Don't think so. You can take anything out of context. The entire Bible, from cover to cover, is God breathed. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, but he answered and said, this is Jesus, listen to this. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Even Jesus gave us this beautiful, wonderful description of inspiration, saying it's breathed out of God, out of the mouth of God. Can you imagine God, the creator of the universe, if he wrote a book, wouldn't we want to read it? He did. He did. Every word came out of the mouth of God. The Bible is all inspired. Number two, the necessity of all scriptures. Scripture is necessary. It's not just completely 100% inspired, it's completely cover to cover necessary for us. Verse 16 again, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. When we talk about the necessity of the scriptures, we usually speak generally. The Bible, Scripture, is necessary for every Christian. But we also need to speak of the Bible being specifically necessary. By this I mean every piece of Scripture, every book, every chapter, every verse is necessary. Most Christians are only familiar with parts of Scripture all Christians need to be familiar with all Scripture. I, I remember my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather was a big puzzle person. And he would clean off the dining room table, which we never ate at anyway. And his huge puzzle would be on that table. And Grandma would go to yard sales. And she would buy a 5,000-piece puzzle and put it on the table pieces all over the place like this, and Grandpa would piece by piece over months put it together. And I remember one specific time he got it all together, and right near the middle there was one piece missing. And he looked all over the floor, under the couch, 
I mean, every place. And then he went to grandma and said, it's missing a piece. And she said, yeah, I knew. When I bought it, it had a little tag on it that said missing only one piece. We as Christians, this, it's, it's like a puzzle. But we intentionally leave off certain pieces and parts. I'm not going to read that genealogy. That has nothing to do with me. I, I don't understand that book. It makes no sense. I'm just going to leave that piece out. It's like it's like a, a it's like a puzzle. No part can be overlooked. The Bible is God's revelation of Himself to us. There's 66 books. Every one of those 66 books is a piece of the whole. No book can be overlooked. If the message of a book is neglected in our lives. We can't have everything that God wants for us. What about Joel? Or Obadiah? Habakkuk? Is that even in here? Philemon? What they have revealed, what 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 have they revealed to you about God? What what have those books given to you? Immediately we're ashamed because, oh, it's been a while. God gave us 66 books in the Bible because of the message that each book, each chapter, each verse is a necessary piece. The Holy Scriptures are all inspired. They are all necessary. Number three, I want to talk about the sufficiency of all Scripture. Not just being all inspired, not just being all necessary. All Scripture is sufficient. The Bible tells us that Christ is all-sufficient. In, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Christ is enough. He's all we need. But we cannot say that we are, that we believe in an all-sufficient Christ, an all-sufficient Savior, without saying that we believe in an all-sufficient Scripture. Can't do it. We can't know Christ without knowing His Word. Can't know Christ without knowing the Bible. I love our church library. It's beautiful. It's what I was in there this morning. We're looking through some of the books. Um, there are great books in there. There's even a section recommended by Pastor Lytell. So if you go in there, there's that whole section. And there's a sale section in case you want to know. I think next time we'll just put a blue light outside the door so you know when sales are going. Oh, you remember blue lights? That's good. But if you go in there to find a book about a problem, before you go here, if you look to Dr. Phil first, if you do a Google search before you do a Bible search, you're saying that God's word isn't sufficient. We learn more about our lives than while we study the scripture than any other place. Not by studying our lives, we, we, we learn more about our lives by studying the Word of God than we know about our lives by looking in the mirror. John chapter 2, verse 25, it says, And need not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. God knew what was in us. And he put what was in us here. So, do I want to know more about myself? I can know more about myself by learning more about what God says about me. I love my wife. I have a question. 
can I understand my wife? I just read recently that there was a new book that's been published, How to Understand Your Wife. Just kidding. <laughs> it's not out. If I know God better, if I study his word, it teaches me how to live with my wife. If I want to know her better, I need to know this better. Declaring that scripture is all sufficient is declaring that God's word meets every need. What needs does it meet? What specific needs? Back in 2 Timothy 3.15, says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The greatest need that man has is salvation. It's the first thing, the most important thing that God's word teaches us if we read it. It's sufficient enough for salvation. Do you remember? Do you remember it was Philip? And, and they're, they're riding, uh, the eunuch and Philip are riding together. What caused the eunuch to have that conviction of salvation? The scripture. It's the scripture. I hesitate when somebody has a salvation experience without scripture. It can't be done. The scripture is the revealer unto salvation. The Bible goes on and tells us more. More of these benefits from scripture. Look at verse 16. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. and is, I keep saying the. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is possible for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I see a couple of them here. First of all, I see doctrine. I clearly see doctrine. One of the benefits of scripture is doctrine. That's what we believe. That's what we teach. And everything that we believe about life, everything that we believe about death, and heaven, and hell, and angels, and future events, about immorality, about homosexuality. Our whole life philosophy should come right from our theology, and our theology is the doctrine that's in the Word of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. For reproof. This is, this is pointing out where we're wrong. This, this is the one that hurts. Nobody likes to hear that they're wrong. I, I told my wife one time I was wrong once, but I was incorrect when I told her that. There's no way to tell how far we would drift from our anchor without reproving in the scriptures. Without reading and seeing, oh, that's me. Scripture's good for reproof. For correction. For correction. This shows us the right way. This puts us back on the path. When the anchor slips and we are reproved, we can go right back to that same spot, tie off to that same anchor spot, and get right back to the right place. That's correction. It steers us back. All scriptures are given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. How about this one? For instruction in righteousness. This, 
This means we apply the Bible to our daily lives. Like we saw last week, the Holy Spirit then stays with us on a daily basis to teach us to do what's right daily. That the man of God may be perfect. That means complete, finished. We're not there yet. No need to run to the books on the shelf. Books are helpful, especially those that are based on the Bible. But we need to go to God's word first. Thoroughly furnished. Everything that we need to equip us as believers. Every piece of armor that we need to take on. Every thought, every philosophy is all right here, thoroughly furnished to us, onto all good works. It's, this is the manual for Christian living. The first century church was wholly dependent on God and his word. It was their authority for everything they did. We need a revolution back to the Bible. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for breathing it and giving it to us so that we know exactly where we need to be on a daily basis. We pray, Father, you help us to get into your word daily so we can keep that communication open with you. In your name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com. Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you and God bless.